Welcome to Calvary Chapel Richmond. We're glad to have you tuned in here on this Wednesday night service. And we'll be really happy here soon whenever we're all back inside of the sanctuary for our Wednesday nights. Um, tonight we'll be looking at a couple of different scriptures and we'll be doing a little word study in English on the words mature and maturity inside of the New Testament. We won't be looking at all the scriptures that use that word or that have that word in it. Uh, because of time, we won't be doing that, but we will look at a couple of key verses. There is a lot to this topic of spiritual maturity. And to be completely honest, the whole Bible brings us into spiritual maturity. As we read the whole Bible, it pushes us towards Jesus. It pushes us towards spiritual maturity. But tonight, we are going to really just focus on the words maturity and what a couple of the different verses that the Holy Spirit talks about maturity in the scriptures. Um, so all that being said, the hope of our study tonight is to begin to think about the possible answer to these three questions. Uh, one, what does maturity in the faith look like? Number two, what does immaturity in the faith look like? What does that do? And number three, are we spiritually mature and still growing, or are we spiritually immature and stagnant? If you would, before we get into the scriptures, let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. Lord, I ask that you would speak to each one of our hearts, Lord, that you would highlight things in our lives that show you more, show who you are, Lord. Lord, and I pray that you would highlight things in our lives that need to change. None of us, Lord, are perfect. None of us are complete at this point, Lord. There's still more of you that we need to know. There's still more of you that we have to grow in, Lord. No matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, God, we still need you. We need you so much more. Jesus, we ask that you would just light our past tonight, that you would give us ears to hear, that we would not be dull of hearing, but that we would have ears to hear, hearts to listen, God, and that we would uh, receive the things that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Spirit, I just ask that you would speak through me. God, that you would just uh, make less of me and more of you in this time period, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your Holy Spirit and in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Okay, before we get into our scriptures tonight... Uh, we'll need to define, you're going to define the word that we use for maturity inside of the scriptures, in the scriptures that we use. So most of the time, whenever we read the word mature or maturity in the New Testament, there's a Greek word that's called teleos, which is the translation of that. Teleos, teleos usually means something that has reached perfection or completion or has reached its best point. It's often used in agriculture, but it's also used inside of procedures. And inside of agriculture, it talks about when the, when the crop is ripe. That's whenever it's mature. That's whenever it's teleos. That's whenever it's ready. It's ready for the harvest. But that's not the end of the process. You still have to go and harvest again. You still have to go and harvest again. You still have to do your plowing. You still have to do your, um, your burning of the fields. You have to do all of the procedures over again because you don't just plant a crop and then 
let harvest at one time and that's it. No, you continue to plant that crop and to harvest. Any farmer can tell you that. You do it one time, you still lose money. You have to continue to do it over and over again to make money and to be able to have profit in your life. And it's the same thing with procedures as well. Um, whenever, if, I'm going to use the example of building a house. So if, if one was to build a house, then after laying a foundation, then it would be teleos, the foundation, the procedure of laying a foundation. The very first step of laying the foundation of the house would be teleos. It would be complete. It would be brought to its point of perfection or where it's done. But there's still more in the procedure of teleos, in that maturity, that point of becoming complete. You still have to do more. You don't just build a slab of a, a, on, a, on a house for the foundation of it and then turn around and go and sleep on it. No, you have to frame the walls, you have to put on the siding, you have to put all of the, um, the electrical in there and the plumbing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's not a, hey, everything's complete, everything's perfect. It's just getting to the point to where the next thing can be done. So this is the same thing as we, as we peak and reach in maturity. So from these two thoughts of teleos, we can understand that maturity isn't something that we reach and then it's over, but rather it is the culmination of the procedure that is continuously going on. Fruit will ripen, but that doesn't mean that the farmer doesn't have to farm again. No, you have to farm the fruit and harvest the fruit, and then you have to continue to plow, sow, water, reaping. It is a process. And the same for our house analogy. It's a process. When we begin to talk about people while using the word teleos, we see it more used in the concept of a person coming to age. In our society here in America, we say that people anywhere between 18 to 25, they come, in, they come to age. They are of sound mind, and now they can make their own decisions and bear with the consequences. Hear me in that. They have to bear with the consequences. Um, and so not that at 21, someone has completely understood everything. That's right in between 18 and 25, whenever we might say that someone's come of age, whenever they become mature. Not that they understand everything. In a lot of ways, a 21-year-old doesn't really know anything. Um, but they are able to bear the consequences of their decisions. And they're so much more able to do it than whenever they were 2, whenever they were 4, whenever they were 12, 14, or 16. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we get. They, they're not complete, but they are able to bear with the consequences. They have come to the age of maturity. So this is the same way whenever we talk about our spiritual lives. We grow up in the faith just as we grow up in our own life. It takes time and intentionality to grow. Now catch that. It takes intentionality you have to have intentionality to water, weed, control press, pests, and other things to grow a field of corn. It has to be intentional. We also have to intentionally build a house. It just doesn't happen overnight. It just doesn't snap your fingers and say, hey, I want to build a house here, and it's there. No, you have to go. You have to clear the field, clear the ground, lay the foundation. It's intentional. You have to do it. And it's the same thing with maturity inside of our faith. We have to intentionally move forward with our walk with Christ. If you're not intentionally, if you're not intentionally sowing into it, trying to grow in Jesus, trying to know him more, then guess what? You never will. You never will.
Yeah, we don't just say, well, I decided to follow Jesus, so now I'm going back to what I was doing. Now we have to cultivate a relationship in our spiritual walks with Jesus. Uh, I'll use one more analogy. If you think about marriage, uh, if you met a girl or a guy one day and you said, hey, that guy or girl's pretty and they were nice to talk to, so I want to I marry that person. That just really wouldn't work out. You don't just immediately get married in that way. You can't just want something and it happened. No, you have to intentionally focus time to pursue that person. You have to date them. You have to ask them out on a date. You have to even ask them to marry you. It has to be intentional. And if you're not intentional, then it doesn't. And, we, and even after marriage, we have to continue to sow into that relationship. We have to continually walk forward. It has to be intentional. There's an intentional pursuit. And some of us in that intention, is, uh, it's more intentional than others. <laughs> but there is an effort to get to know that person more and more. And this is the same with which is true in our faith. So, okay, we're going to get into our study tonight, and we're going to start in the book of Hebrews 5. Um, I'm going to attempt to give as much background as I can of what, where the scriptures have come before we've got to this point inside of, that ba- inside of the books, because I believe the context really tells a lot about these scriptures. Um, so bear with me. I might give a, a whole bunch of background information before we actually read our, our text. So as we've been reading Hebrews for the last while on our Sunday morning studies, we see that in Hebrews 1 to 5, that there is a walkthrough pointing at Jesus greater than all the things the Jews would have put their hope in and in their faith in. In chapter 1, we see that Jesus was prophesied about by the prophets of old and being greater than God's messengers, even the angels. Noting that in, verse, in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, none of the angels have received power and position like Jesus has. But uh, that they are there for the purpose to minister to those who have received the gift of salvation that Jesus gave. So the angels themselves were not as strong as Jesus. They haven't received any authority or power. Jesus is above them. He's the one that actually sends them to minister to the people who he is calling into the faith with him. And as we move into chapter 2, we see that if we put hope in the words of angels, then how much more should we put hope and salvation in Jesus Christ? And it came, that, that, that came through him, the salvation that came through him, because he is above them. And in chapters 3 and in chapter 4, we see that the Holy Spirit again brings Christ greater than Moses and Joshua. He brings it greater than even the things that they've done. Um, Moses being, in a lot of ways, Abraham is the patriarch of the faith, but Moses is the highest prophet. Whenever you look at the Torah, whenever you look at, at a lot of Jewish beliefs, Moses was the, was the first coming of Christ is what a lot of them think. And they think, and, and, even, and even in our prophecies, we see that the second coming of Moses would have been the Messiah or something to that extent. Um, so in, in chapters 3 and 4, we see that the, the Holy Spirit tells us again that Christ is greater than both Moses and Joshua. And even the things that they did, especially even rest, um, they aren't as good as what Christ has given us. Once again, we're seeing that Christ is the head and above all the things that we may put our hope in and our faith in. Then we get to the end of chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 5, where we begin to look at the priesthood of the Jews. He begins to talk about Melchizedek and even Aaron and how Christ is priest-king just like Melchizedek. 
He's both priest and he's both king. He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than the first high priest. Um, and he's greater than this priest king, um, Melchizedek. He's actually in the order of Melchizedek. And then he stops and he says this in chapter 5, verses 11. And I'm going to read through 6.3. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the teleos, the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil, good from evil, excuse me. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not again laying a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instructions about washings, the laying on of the hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. The first thing that we can see of those who aren't mature, teleos, they're not complete in teleos, is that they are dull of hearing. Um, how many times are teacher, as teachers, parents, or just a friend, have you been telling someone something and they are dull of hearing it? It just goes in one ear and out the other. Can you check your hearing today? Are you dull of hearing? Christ being preeminent in everything is pretty important. And to the regenerated man, it's pretty life-giving and gives tons of freedom to us. Actually, reading these chapters in preparation for this study, I received new revelation about the rest that Christ gives. It's so very deep and important stuff. But the writer of Hebrews stops and says, well, you guys, actually, you don't really know any of this stuff. You don't really want to hear it. You're dull of hearing. And I can't even give you the steak. I have to give you the milk. I have to give you the easy stuff. To the ones who can hear, this is powerful stuff. But to those who are dull of hearing, it's just a lot of words without any power. Are you dull of hearing today? Do you listen to sermons or read the Bible and it has no power to you? 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word really should set us on fire. Now, I know that, it, that we can all go through seasons where things can become dry, and, but, but constant, consistently the teleos, or the mature, will have ears to hear the word of God. The second thing that we can see of the mature, or sorry, yeah, that's the first thing we can see of the mature believer. The second thing that we can see of the mature believer is that they are able to teach. As we look in here, it says in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You, in your maturity, should be able to teach. And that doesn't mean that you should be able to go and teach deep stuff, but if you have knowledge, you should be able to expound on that knowledge to someone. I'll use the example of a baseball coach. If you know anything about baseball, you've played it any time in your life, and you have knowledge, and you're mature enough in your knowledge of baseball, then you can go and be a coach. Now, you may not be in going and coaching at the MLB level, and you might not even be coaching at the college level or even the high school level, but you can begin teaching and coaching and sharing and growing at the t-ball level, and you can start there being ready to teach, and then you can move your way up. 
And as you grow in your faith, and as you mature in your faith, your teaching actually grows. Your ability to teach, the things that you know grow, the depth and the breadth of what you can share goes. Because what you teach a t-baller to what you teach someone in the Babe Ruth League or Little League is astronomically different. You're working on mechanics versus, hey, just hit the ball. Okay, let's catch the ball. Okay, let's not be scared of the ball hitting you in the face. Okay, run the bases. For any of you who've taught that, understand exactly what I'm saying. That's the same that goes for us maturing in Christ. One who has completed the procedure and has come to age, or so to speak, in his faith in Christ. But realizing that as we grow in the faith, our teaching should grow as well. The second thing that we see from someone who isn't true is that they are not, who isn't mature, someone who hasn't gotten to this teleos point, is that they are not able to truth. They can't instruct those who are new in the faith. The teaching is more like instructing, this teaching I'm talking about is more like instructing them in the word of God. And they are unskilled in the words of righteousness. So they don't know the Bible. They can't read the Bible and share it with people. They are confused themselves about what's in the Bible. You're immature. Whenever people start talking to you, start poking holes in your faith, you have nowhere to go. You don't know how to distinguish righteousness, the rightness, the things that are right to do. The third thing that we see in the scripture of the mature is that they're able to distinguish good from evil or right from wrong. Does that mean that they're able to extinguish, uh, distinguish it every single time? No, they're still going to go through this process, but we for sure know better 70, 85, 95% of the time, the mature are not able to distinguish that from the righteousness. And how do we know that? Because we have knowledge in the scriptures. We're able to read the Bible and understand what it says and say, oh, well, that says do not do this. That says stay away from these things. And we're able to put those things into practice. The immature aren't able to distinguish right from wrong. Now, does that mean that they're able to, that they just make every wrong decision? No, it doesn't. The percentage is probably more like 50% or less. They've got a 50-50 shot of every time that they hear something, every time that they do something, that it's going to be right or wrong. They don't know how to take the right steps in righteousness. Or they're constantly running to someone and saying, hey, hey, I don't know if I'm supposed to step with my right foot or my left foot. Hey, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this sin or not. You're not able to distinguish from that right and wrong. The third thing that we see from the mature is that they're constantly talking and moving towards the elementary things in the faith. As stated here, some of them are repentance. They are never turning away from sin and walking in the opposite direction. Do you, do you know that? Repentance is actually you making a decision. Well, actually, I believe that it's a gift from God. God gives you the gift of repentance. You're able to turn from that and walk completely in the opposite direction. You don't go there anymore. You're not doing that. It's a 180-degree turn. But if you, if you have a sin in your life and God is continuously telling you to get rid of that sin and you never do, then you're not repentant. But you might always talk around that sin. Well, you know, I just really need to stop gossiping. I just really need to stop being lazy and apathetic. Um, if you're in accountability meetings, you can kind of sort of see this with people. They constantly come back to the same sin over and over and over again. And it's not hey, you know, we've, won, we've had battles and we've won and we've done these things. It's an everyday ongoing battle. Are you stuck in these 
elementary repentance battles that you're just constantly going around in this never-ending vicious cycle of I just can't get rid of this sin. You may be immature in those ways. The second thing that we see is dead works and faith in God. They're struggling to leave the things of the world behind them and live for Christ. If you have dead works and you don't believe in God, if you can't walk out the truths that are in the scripture, then you don't walk it out in, in, in God. It's, it's like it says in James, works without faith is dead. The third thing that we see is religious works like washing. They make it about religion. The immature make it about religion. It's all about following these set rules. It's not about a relationship at all. It's very pharisaical. It's like a, it's like a Pharisee in the way that you have to stand up like this and eat like this and walk like this and do this. Don't do not, touch not, taste not, see not. It's not about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about knowing Jesus more. It's about being someone that the outside world can see. These are immature things. And the fourth thing that we see is they also struggle with eternal judgment. It's very easy for them to erase hell. It's very easy for them never to talk about the things of, of the eternal life uh, or not. It's very easy for them not to see the punishment of their sin. The author here is making the statement that we need to move on past these things, these elementary things, into maturity, into teleos, which I see those things as being maturity, as being more of Jesus Christ. And he says, this too, this too we will do if God permits. If we grow up in the faith, then we'll go on. Let's take a look at our second text tonight. Open your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 2 for most of this. Let me give you a little background in 1 Corinthians. I think I might have said 2 Corinthians. I meant 1 Corinthians. Um, the Corinthians church is a group of believers who have a lot of problems. They were having lots of disunity, fights, struggles, uh, going to the communion table, and some people just eating all of the communion and drinking and getting drunk before they actually... Uh, before they actually had communion and other people starving, not actually getting their food. There was some vile sins that were, being, that were going on in, inside of that time. They had lots of in, infighting. All these things were really rampant. But we see that Paul's addressing in chapter 1, he talks about how he came to them only clinging to Christ in his crucifixion. So whenever he came to them, he only talked about Jesus. And, he, and then he worked in power, let the Spirit move in power, as a sign to them so that they would come to faith. So he only holds to those basic doctrines of Christ. And then when we get to our verses here in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 7, Paul says, Yet among the mature, the teleos, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom, which God decreed from which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We see Paul saying that we do move on from the elementary and into the secret and hidden wisdom of Christ. If we read down the next eight or nine verses, we see some pretty deep and interesting stuff about the Spirit of God, knowing about him, but 
also that we have received his spirit and we can know the, ne- the mind of Christ. It's really deep and profound stuff for the regenerated man, for the man who is mature and can understand. There's pretty serious stuff that he just gets in the tip of the iceberg to these Corinthians. So we see, it the, with the, that we see that the mind of Christ, thinking like Christ and loving like him, is something that the mature believers have. It's what the teleos have. Mature believers will be filled with the Spirit of God to be able to discern the things of God. But we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, just to really understand a little bit more about what Paul's talking about in the un- immature. But brothers, oh, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, as immature, as not teleos. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, if you are still of the flesh, for you are still the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Paul says that they couldn't reach that spot of being spiritual people. They haven't come to age of that, that he could only give them milk. Why? Because they still had these immature things going on. We can see that jealousy is a sign of immaturity. Strife is a sign of immaturity. Fighting and divisions are all signs of immaturity. On the other hand, the mature will, be, will prefer others. They'll be peacemakers. They'll strive for unity. So how are we doing with our three questions so far? We've gone through uh, two or three of our texts so far. And just to remind you what they are, what does spiritual maturity in the faith look like? Two, what does immaturity in the faith look like? And three, are we spiritually mature and still growing or are we spiritually immature and stagnant and not ripening? Let's move on to our next text. We're in Ephesians 4. I'm, I'm going to read this text and not to give a whole bunch of background in the three um, chapters before, just to save on some time. But we see that the mature, but, but we, we do see that the mature. Forgive me. I'm going to read chapter 4. I therefore, I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the, of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens and he might fill all, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the filling up of the body 
until we all attain to the unity of the flesh and the knowledge of the Son of God, to teleos manhood, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we can see that the mature will be humble, gentle, patient. They'll bear with one another and they'll love and, love and strive for unity. They will do all these things because of their oneness in the spirit that we have in Christ and in each other. He gave gifts to each one of us. Catch this. For the building up of the body. Not for our own good. Our gifts are given for the body, not for our own good. That's a mature thing. He gave it for the, for the, for the good of the many. And your unity as itself is a sign of maturity. Whenever we're in oneness, whenever we're striving for unity, whenever we are centered around the person of Jesus Christ, and that is the thing that carries us forward, we will be in unity. We'll be walking in unity, and it will be teleos. It will be maturity that is inside of us. So what is something of the immature? Uh, they will be tossed by the waves of almost every other doctrine. Hear me in this. Uh, this isn't a, a hard-hearted, I-know-everything uh, type of mindset. This is a we'll test the spirits by the scriptures mindset. So test the, test the spirits and test the scriptures by the scriptures mindset. You could still, this verse is what I'm talking about. This verse here and at the end of uh, Philippians 4, where is it? Philippians 4. 14, it says, so that we may no longer be children and tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and, de and deceitfulness. This isn't a, I, can, I can't change my mind on something, but this is something that, that you just, you're just flip-flopping. You're going back and forth. Uh, I, I like to use the example with my children, my, of my children. My six-year-old, you could get him into a room and you could talk to him as an adult and you could actually convince him that the sky is green or that the grass is purple. You could probably sit there and talk to him long enough that that would, that that would come. He's pretty obstinate, so he might not believe you in some of those things. But some other things, you could actually convince him of stuff. I've had to go back where people were just joking with him and say, no, baby, they were just joking with you. That's not true. What they were saying is not true. They were just joking with you that... Um, Dinos they saw a dinosaur in their backyard yesterday or that their dog turned into a cow and flew over the moon. You know, that's, that's not stuff that really happened. They were just joking with you. Uh, it's just easy for the child like mine to flip to back and forth and things not be concrete. So hear me in this saying that you can, it's not, it's not that you can't change your mind. It's not that you can't learn more. It's that 
you're not flip-flopping back and forth, that you're actually judging the scriptures by the scriptures, you're testing the spirits, and you're not just going off on every tangent. Oh, well, so-and-so had this theological thought that they brought to me, and this is the way to Christ. No, you actually test those things. You actually get in the scriptures yourself. That's what the mature do. The immature don't. The immature just listen to something on the radio. They listen to the new fad by whoever, and that's just the way it is. Oh, well, this celebrity pastor said this. Oh, well, that's it. No, Paul talked about the Bereans and how they were more righteous than the Thessalonians because they tested everything that was given to them by the spirits. They were better than the than the Thessalonians because of that. But we are now teleos, we're grown up and mature. And, and that's because we're mature, those, those who are mature are going back to the word. They're grounded in the word. But for those, those who are teleos, that's what we are. And if you're teleos, a Jehovah's Witness won't sway you. Why? Because you're grounded in the word. Islam won't sway you. Why? Because you're grounded in the word. And it's not this hard-heartedness. I'm hard-hearted, so I can't even listen to these people, or I have to tell these people, get away from me, because they, they'll infect me with whatever their thoughts are. No, you're grounded. You're the one that's actually sharing truth with them. Whenever these people begin to try to poke holes, and they, they bring up heresy, and they bring up scriptures that have nothing to do with what they want to make it do, Whenever they take a scripture and they twist it, you can actually say, actually, you're not reading that scripture right. You're not in the context. You're not reading what that scripture says. You're just pulling a scripture out like we like to do in the news a lot of times, misquote people by just plucking one, one word from a, or one line from a, a big line that they said and saying, oh, well, this is true. This is what this person said. Well, actually, if you listen to the whole paragraph that the person said, then you would understand that that's not what they said. They were using that as an example of what not to do. And that's what we can do. A Jehovah's Witness won't sway you because you're grounded in the Word. Prosperity gospel teachers won't sway you. Why? Because you're grounded in the Word. Name it and claim it people won't sway you. Why? Because you're grounded in the Word. hope you can understand this. Um, Mormons won't sway you. Why? Because you're grounded in the Word. You know what? Instead, you will begin to sway them to Christ. Why? Because you are grounded in the word. But understand, you haven't arrived, and you can still come to a greater understanding of Christ and his body while still changing your mind on different things. Why? Because you're grounded in the word. Truth has to be spoken from the mature. Lies will, lies will only be told by the immature. And you'll believe the lies. Truth and love will actually build us up and keep us in unity, and it won't tear us apart. We can see that tearing us apart actually is a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of not teleos. The teleos is, is actually when we're moving closer together because we're centered on that thing that is Jesus Christ. The ooey-gooey center is Jesus. If we reject the truth, it's also a sign of immaturity, not having the mind of Christ. So whose truth is this that we're talking about? We're talking about Christ's truth, not our perception of cruise, truth, cruise, not our perception of truth, but Christ's truth, what the scriptures actually say, what God dictates is true. And we'll see it as true. We'll understand it as true. So let's move into our last scripture of the night. We're looking in Philippians 3. We'll start in verse 12, but before we get there, let's 
give a little bit of background between the first uh, 11 verses. Paul's already written things to the Philippians before. We see that in verse 3, 1. He says, to write the same things to you, it's no trouble to me and it is safe for you. So even if this teaching is something that's not new to you, you've already done this, you've already thought about this, you're already feeling mature in the faith, it's not bad for you to go through a teaching like this. You can also see that it's just okay for us to be reminded of the same things over and over and over and over again. We're to slow down and remember, and we need to be reminded. Paul continues talking about not listening to those who are of the circumcised party. He says, don't listen to those who are religious just for the sake of religion. He himself was the greatest religious person. Uh, he He was greater than all these religious people until he met Christ. I love verse 10 and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Man, if only we all had that mindset. If we all had that mindset, we would all be in a mature state. If we walked by that mindset, every single one of us would be found mature in Christ. We'd be found teleos in Christ, complete, mature, growing, grown up in him. We'd be teachers. We'd be all these things that we've already talked about. Yeah, if we could do anything to know him, his resurrections, sufferings, and becoming like him, humble to death as to attain to that, which we see in Colossians, we have died with him or being raised with him. Then we get to verses 12 through 15. Paul says, Not that I have already attained all of this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are teleos, who are mature, think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. He says that we have to forget the former things. We have to let go of who we used to be. We're only to press into Christ if we are mature. And then we act like that. If we disagree, it doesn't destroy our unity. Instead, as we grow in Christ together, he will reveal answers to us. He will reveal it. We are only supposed to live up to what we've attained in him. Let's revisit our three questions. What does maturity in the faith look like? Question number one. What does immaturity in the faith look like? I think we've taken those two things and we've, we've added in some answers on that. If you were taking notes, you're scribbling down different things. That was, what does it look like to be mature? What does it look like to be immature? And three, the real question for all of us tonight is, are we, are you, am I, spiritually mature, mature and still growing? Or are we spiritually immature and stagnant? One thing that we can grab from this last set of verses is that if you are striving to know Christ and are growing in him, 
you will become mature. Maybe by realization you become mature. Oh, wait, huh, I'm already mature. I've been here. I've gotten older. I'm making better decisions. Or maybe it'll just happen to you. You just find out one day you're like, wow, I've arrived. Not I've arrived, but you know, I've, I've, some completion has happened in my life. One thing that, that happens to all of us when we grow is a lot of times you just don't see it. You know, I, I looked in the mirror, I look in the mirror nowadays, and I have a bunch of gray hairs, I have some gray in my beard. My wife always comes up to me all the time and goes, oh, honey, you are getting grayer. And I'm like, yeah, you know, had three kids, three calendar years, uh, gray just kind of gets on you like that. But you don't necessarily know that you're getting the gray hairs. You don't necessarily know that you're growing in that way until you look in the mirror one day and you say, wow, look at all this gray I have. I'm looking salt and pepper. And sadly enough, my dad is less gray than I am at this point in time. And he's twice my age, uh, 30 years older than me and still, he's more than, not twice my age, but 30 years older than me. And he's still uh, got a nice reddish blonde head of hair. And here I am at 33, and I've got all these specks all in my head and beard. That's where we kind of one day realize that we've gotten to a point of maturity. We've achieved a point. We've achieved that teleos into a certain point. Or you may have people come to you and say, hey, brother, I've seen your maturity in these ways. But reality is what this verse says to us is you're only supposed to live up to what you have already attained in him. We're supposed to strive for more, desire more of him. But if you aren't moving in him and the Lord has shown you that you are immature, what do you need to do? What are the things that you need to do first, brother and sister? You need to repent. You need to ask God to turn you away from those things that are, that are taking you away from him. And you do that 180 turn and run towards him. We have to cut off all of those former things that aren't like him, just like Paul said. Forgetting what is behind, strive towards the goal that is, that is which Christ has called you heavenward. Brother and sister, I ask you just tonight, if you, if you are feeling like you're not mature in Christ, would you ask him? I'm sure that he's already highlighted some things for you tonight. Would you ask him? to give you that gift of repentance? Second, if you feel like you're in the neutral or you're in a stagnant point, you can ask that, that question to Jesus. What is keeping you there? What are the things that Christ has already asked you to do that you're disobedient on? The mature will love Christ. That's what we just read in, in uh, Ephesians 4. It says the mature will love Christ, will speak the truth in love, will move in love. And it says in John 6, uh, John 14, that Christ says twice in that, in that passage, he says, those who love me obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. So what have you been disobedient in that Christ has already told you to do that's holding you back from being and growing in maturity to him? The mature will love him. Are you being obedient? Are you loving him? If you're walking maturely, then I'm, I'm sure that you have, uh, you've already realized that there are some things on this list of things that we've gone through that are glaring you right in the face. Will you, mature brother and sister, will you also move away from those things and closer to Jesus? 
or will you hold on to them? I know for me, patience is the one thing that's been hitting me in the face. Uh, I want it now, Jesus. I want to know now. I want to know when I'll be able to get back to, to India. I want to know uh, if I'll be able to get back to India. I want the answers right now. But Jesus is telling me, son, I got this. You have need of endurance. You have need of more patience. You have need of knowing me more because love is patient. Love is kind. And I am patient and I am kind. The other thing that I feel like God's been saying is that I want my kids to make right decisions constantly, now, instead of training them up in the ways that they can go. And so as I've been doing this study, God's just focused on me saying, Zach, you are immature in your patience. You need more of it. So I'm asking for God tonight, and I've been asking since I've been preparing this study, for God to give me that gift of repentance so that I can be more patient in my life, that I can see the things that he wants to do, that I can be like Daniel and fast for 21 days from anything that's good to receive revelation from the Lord instead of doing a three-day fast and being like, after my three days, being like, God, ah, I've been fasting for three days. Why haven't you given me revelation? I want to be able to say, all right, God, I, I'm going to stick through this till it comes. I love that verse in Daniel where he comes and says, I, I was departed the very first day that you began to set your face towards God. God sent me to you the very first day with revelation, but I was tied up with the prince of Babylon and it wasn't until I got relief from Michael, the archangel, that I was able to come here. How are you feeling in all these areas tonight? Where do you see immaturity in your life? Where does this apply to you? Are you overall spiritually immature and you are in need of God taking you to that next level? Do you need to repent from some things, from dead works? Do you need to stop circling around this one sin that's just got your life in a ball? Do you need to actually go and teach? Do you need to be obedient to the things that God's called you? Do you need to start serving inside of the church instead of just coming and sitting? You should reach out to someone and talk to them about it and let them hold you accountable. Because we're not only in this together. The very last part of our Philippians verse talks about how we mature together. That's one thing that I really like. It says, I press on to this goal for the prize. Let those of us who are mature think of this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Let us do this together. And only let us hold true to what we've attained. Not you hold true to what you've attained. Let us. It's all of us doing this together. We aren't in this alone. We are on the one, we are on the one hand walking this walk of faith in our own shoes. But on the other hand, all we have, all we have to do, on the other hand, we have, we have all, excuse me, on the other hand, we all have to do this together. We have to be in community. I don't know how many times we read, unity is a sign of immaturity. And we all have to be there doing this together in unity. We are to be in unity with each, other, with each other and growing together. So brother and sister, I just ask you tonight, are you mature in Christ? Are you 
immature in Christ. Seek his face. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm just going to ask God to give us the gift of repentance. I'm going to ask him to speak to each one of our hearts. And then I encourage you tonight, right now, call someone. Let them help you with this. Do this together. Faith is a, an action verb that we're supposed to be doing together. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us tonight, God, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your words, God. If we're, if we're reading the scriptures and we're seeing, man, I'm not even immature. I'm just, I, I don't even know Jesus. I've just been going through the motions all this time. Hebrews 6 goes on to just talk about if we don't know Jesus, if we've tasted of him and we've, and we've trampled on the gift of him, then there's no other sacrifice for us. There's no second Christ is coming to be a sacrifice. Lord, I pray that us, that my brothers and sisters, that all of us, Lord, that we would seek your face, that we would desire you, that we would want to know you more, that we would want to find you, Jesus, that we would not disdain the gift that you've given us. Lord, if we, if we see that we've just been stagnant for years, for months, for decades, God, and we've just kind of been, oh, you know, I, I prayed the prayer, I served back in the day, and I haven't really done anything for a while. I don't really, you know, I have to just read my Bible every now and then. And it's just, it's just dull to us, God. We're dull of hearing you're not really wanting to move and know you more, God, I pray that you would give us the gift of repentance, Lord. That you would speak to our hearts, that we would desire you. God, I pray for the one tonight, just the one who hears these words and needs them, God. That they would repent, Lord, and they would begin to move forward in you, to grow in maturity to you. We don't want to be babies. We don't want to need milk all the time. We want to get onto that good food. We want to get into that steak, that hamburger, those wonderful vegetables, big, nice salad. We want to get into those good things of you, Lord. Speak to us, God. And Lord, if we're, lastly, we're just, we're mature, but there's things that you've been telling us to do that you've highlighted, Lord, that we need to move into, areas of our lives that we're just immature in. God, I just pray that you would give us that gift of repentance, Lord, that we would move away from those things, that we would be held accountable in the things that we're being moved away from. Lord, we ask all these things in your wonderful, powerful name. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your night, guys. Love you and see you on Sunday.